2: The FT. Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Sean Donnan, the FT's World News Editor. This week, France rejected Nicolas Sarkozy and austerity, and Greek voters took their turn, at venting their anger and railing against what the leader of the far left, Alexis Tsipras, called a barbarous bailout, declaring it null and void. We've had Mario Draghi in recent weeks uh, tell Eurozone leaders that they needed to start looking for ways to spur growth in their countries. The growth versus austerity debate has been the Big one in Europe over the past few weeks. So, are we beginning to see the shift away from austerity and towards growth? And is growth around the corner? And are we going to emerge from this European recession? Joining me in the studio is Chris Giles, the FT's economics editor, and Ben Hall, our Europe news editor. On the line from Frankfurt is Ralph. Atkins, who is our European economics editor. And in Paris, we have Hugh Carnegie, who is our Paris bureau chief. Let's start with you, Hugh. What does François Hollande want?
3: Well, essentially, what he wanted to do politically was to show that he he was going to be able to shift the debate in Europe away from the emphasis on austerity, Although there hasn't been a lot of austerity in France, it's very uh, unpopular, proved unpopular during the, the election campaign, towards growth. Specifically what he's looking for, and he's already prepared a memo to send to all his European partners when he takes power next week. Uh, are essentially four things initially. One is that there be some European project bonds to invest in things like uh, new energy technology. He wants uh, an increase in the capital of the European Investment Bank in order to uh, make available more funds for investing in infrastructure projects. He wants better use and more dispersing of the European uh, Union structural funds and he wants a financial transaction tax imposed by as many European countries as he can muster to raise other funds for development. He has also been talking about uh, reorienting the European Central Bank towards policies that are more growth-friendly. That's even more controversial than the other things he's been suggesting, which his European partners will probably be able to accommodate.
2: Let's build on that controversy. Uh, Ralph, how is all that being viewed in Frankfurt at the ECB?
1: Um, Well, I think there's a lot of... What Hollande uh, has asked for that is acceptable uh, within Germany. I mean, I think the additional measures on the EIB and, and so on uh, are relatively uncontroversial. I think what he says on the ECB is really crossing red lines, however, though, in, in Germany. Uh, and I, when I say Germany, I mean in Berlin, within the government, but also within the um, ECB itself.
2: What are those red lines, Ralph?
1: Well, I think the the idea that um, we've heard during the French election campaign that the ECB, for instance, should be buying government bonds on a large scale, uh, would is, is seen with horror here in Germany. I mean, the, the Bundesbank would just not accept that; they would be seen see that as um, monetary financing, uh, i.e., central banks basically underwriting governments, which they say uh, you know, and it is indeed uh, forbidden under EU law. So, I think those sorts of things are seen as as big no nos I mean, I think, and also the idea that the ECB could somehow be more uh, tuned towards growth in its monetary policy stance. I mean, I think that's sort of seen a bit cynically here. I mean, you know, well, what difference is a quarter percentage point interest rate cut going to make? In, in these circumstances, no one, can, as Mr Mario Draghi, the ECB president, said last week, you know, no one can say there is um, any lack of uh, liquidity, in aggregate at least, uh, in the within the euro zone. So I think there's a lot of scepticism on those points. I think, though, what I was going to go on to say though was that I think they, the ECB certainly feels as though they've been here before with France. Uh, we had similar noise when Sarkozy uh, was first elected, I think in, in, a, in a funny way, maybe Hollande is seen as a more level headed, if you like, p- politician that maybe will be easier to deal with, actually, and, and to come to some sensible compromises. The other feeling within more in Berlin, certainly, is that it's like sort of taken aback with the suggestion that Germany is somehow against growth. I mean, Germany would always say that, of course, they see growth as, as important. It's how you achieve that. That's um, where, the, where the difference lies.
2: Ben, uh, we've heard from the ECB. uh, How are the other politicians, if
0: you will, the the other leaders in Europe, going to greet Hollande? Well, I think uh, Francois Hollande has helped sort of flush out um, concern in other countries. Um, Mario Monti, the Italian prime minister, was arguably talking about the need to do more to support growth well before Francois Hollande. But he's given him some leeway to come out and join the debate. And I think in other countries as well, there's clearly uh, a desire to give some more space to growth. But the trouble is, it's not even particularly clear-cut whether all other countries necessarily want to let up on austerity. I mean, particularly in Spain, where there is clearly a debate going on inside the Rajoy government about whether they do want, for example, to delay their uh, reduction of their deficit uh, to 3% to give them a bit more time and and to have a little bit more leeway for growth.
2: But we've clearly seen in this election in France and also in the election in Greece and in some of the noises we're hearing from other parts of the Union, a a clear sort of popular backlash against austerity. Uh, We're seeing it in Ireland to a
0: certain extent. I mean, how does this play over the long, hot summer ahead? Well, if the um, Eurozone can reach some kind of grand deal and come up with a growth compact quickly that involves some of the measures that uh, Hugh mentioned that Hollande has uh, put forward and that the Germans are willing to, to accept. That will help at least give the impression that the Eurozone is moving towards doing more to support growth. Will it actually make a fundamental difference to the the economic situation in the Eurozone in the short to medium term? I doubt very much, but it might ease the politics just a little bit.
2: Let's look at that fundamental difference question. Chris, does a growth compact get us growth in Europe?
4: Well, I I think the the whole point of the whole difficulty with the whole growth and austerity debate is that growth is not a policy; it's an aspiration and to just to say that we're going to have growth is a rather nice aspiration to have, but you have to find the policies that generate it. I think there is some leeway for easing up on the the speed of deficit reduction. We heard this this week from Christine Lagarde, the managing director of the International Monetary Fund, who suggested that when things go wrong, you shouldn't change your fiscal measures you should keep those in place and just allow borrowing to be a little bit worse. So that would certainly help Spain or France or Italy as in the current recession, and she said the average rate of deficit reduction in circumstances like this should be about one percent of national income a year. The eurozone is going for about one and a half percent. So clearly, there is a sort of green light for the eurozone as a whole. That doesn't mean every country within the eurozone to ease up on the austerity a little bit, which might help a little bit with growth. But let's let not suggest that we're suddenly going to find a boom times coming around in Europe because we're going to have a massive fiscal stimulus.
2: But François Hollande and the conversation in Europe now is a lot of it is focused around this idea of infrastructure, uh, great infrastructure projects, great Keynesian projects, and so on. Is that going to get us growth quickly?
4: No, because infrastructure projects tend to be rather slow to implement, um, even though they are rather good at um, keeping the money internal to the economy. So if you had, in the phrase, shovel-ready infrastructure projects you could suddenly kickstart, then it would generate growth almost certainly, at least in the short term, while you're doing them. But that is quite unlikely. And I don't think there is a, a backlog of really truly shovel ready projects around.
2: Is there anything else that we should be considering?
4: Well, I think in the end, uh, we know roughly what well, most economists know what they think is the best solution to the eurozone problem which is a long slow grind of internal revaluation in the core countries in particular Germany and we saw actually um, Wolfgang Schäuble this week saying that he wouldn't mind seeing German wages rising faster than previously and certainly faster than other countries and that is really quite a big change from Germany we aren't seeing austerity in Germany Germany's done all its austerity yet they're not planning any more deficit reduction so we are sort of seeing the right policies it is slow, it is hard work, and whether it is too slow to be acceptable to the public of the Eurozone countries is the big question. Ralph?
1: What Chris hasn't mentioned, of course, is, is well, uh, not directly at least, is, is the labour market. And I think the perception here in Frankfurt and in Berlin is when you look at countries like Spain and so on, I mean, they've had EU-funded infrastructure spending for decades. What they need now is the labour market reforms so that will really make a difference, particularly for solving youth Unemployment, uh, but I think the, again the danger with those is they obviously take a lot of time to push through. But I think the, the German position it tends to get painted as too, as I say, they're not anti-growth, that they are supporting the idea of stronger wages. They do see that productivity developments and reform in the past in Germany does justify higher wages now. And um, also the Bundesbank is accepting the idea now that actually inflation in Germany will have to be higher than in the rest of the Eurozone as part of as a natural readjustment process.
2: Let's go to you, Hugh. Typically, politicians, as they run for election, uh, dial up the rhetoric the moment they take power. Uh, and they have that responsibility, they dial back on the rhetoric. Are are we going to see that from Hollande in the weeks to come?
3: Well, I think it's worth mentioning that one thing Hollande has not actually in any way explicitly asked for is any kind of delay in the uh, consolidation of France's public finances. In fact, he's been very clear that he's committed to uh, bringing France's budget deficit down to the magic 3% mark next year, which is quite a big task. Uh, And I think that's partly because, first of all, he knows that he will only be successful as a president if he gets on top of France's debt. The other reason is that he knows that he won't get anything out of uh, Angela Merkel particularly and the ECB if he's seen to be letting up on France's determination to sort its own public finances out. Ralph makes a very good point about the labor market issue, because one of the interesting things, I think, which, uh, which I think we shouldn't lose sight of in this great debate about growth and reform, is that while Hollande has been at the forefront of those calling for growth-oriented policies... Back home, he's by no means committed to radical uh, restructuring of France's quite rigid labor market, for example, which many private sector economists and many businesses in France uh, have been calling for for some time.
2: He is, in fact, an advocate of the 35-hour work week.
3: Well, he's certainly not planning to overturn the 35-hour work week. I don't think you'll hear too much rhetoric in its favor from him, but he certainly has a constituency on the left in France which is very devoted to it, and so you won't see him unraveling that anytime soon. So I think one thing that we will be looking at very closely uh, in France as he uh, gets his feet under the desk is whether he is going to be committed to any kind of what uh, the ECB, what Mario Monti, what Angela Merkel and others Particularly on the right of centre in Europe, would regard as the vital structural reforms that will get a big economy like France moving a little bit more jauntily.
2: Now, the big piece of the puzzle that we haven't mentioned uh, here today is Greece uh, and the political mess there. It now looks like, after last Sunday's elections, uh, all of the parties are going to struggle to form a government. Looks like we're headed for a new election, possibly June seventeenth, and no one knows what that will give us. What happens? If we go back into a Greek crisis mode, Chris, and we look at a possible exit of Greece from the Eurozone?
4: We don't know. Uh, We know that it could be extremely nasty. If the Greek exit just raises the question in many other peripheral countries, who's next, and the answer can't be quashed quickly, then we have quite possibly the unravelling of the Eurozone because if you get very, very serious contagion and you get bank runs of the nature that people think, well, if Greece has existed, why on earth hold any money in a Portuguese, an Italian, a Spanish or an Irish bank, and all the money flows straight away to German banks because an Irish or Portuguese euro isn't seen to be the same as a German euro, then you have a very, very difficult situation um, almost immediately. If you can quash that speculation and say... Greece is a special case, and this is what exactly what the authorities will do. They'll say, there is no way that anyone else will go down that route, and people believe them, then it's manageable. Ralph,
2: how are things looking in Frankfurt when it comes to this?
1: Well, I, I, I think Greek exit is really the whole scenario in even the best of circumstances. I think there's a lot of high-stakes pressure being put on Greece to come up with some sort of viable coalition, um, but I think um, everyone here is as unsure as uh, in the rest of Europe, really
0: the greek issue is going to be the real test of this so-called growth versus austerity debate what can the eurozone offer greece in terms of um, measures to encourage growth in greece in order to get greek popular acceptance of the bailout or do they force greece even to the brink of exit uh, for the sake of getting Greece to observe austerity and fiscal discipline, all the measures that are needed under its bailout. That's really going to be the test of this whole debate over the next few months. All of which tells us that we've got a
2: long, hot summer ahead, although perhaps not here in London, over the next few months as we watch events in Greece. Hugh Carnegie in Paris, Ralph Atkins in Frankfurt, Chris Giles and Ben Hall here in the studio in London. Thank you very much. And that's it for World Weekly this week. World Weekly is produced by Martin Staba. I'm Sean Donnan. till next week, goodbye.
0: For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.